You have a tremendous problem. The first thing, always, that they mention to me, Mr. Trump, please do something. We may not like it, but I heard parts of the Spider-Man show. And we're going to work with you people to help you solve that very big problem. You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and Ola. I am, in fact, your host, Spud Goodman. <laughs> the Spud Man. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show podcast. We will be undertaking a full and complete colonoscopy on the Hoarders episode, uh, which aired on 324-2016, I believe. I think it was a pretty interesting one. It, it featured actor Zach Guilford of Friday Night Lights fame and also many other shows and movies. Uh, actor R.J. Mitty, who played Walter White Jr. on, of course, Breaking Bad. Uh, there's a visit with our show's resident psychic, uh, Ted Marr, who tried to help me connect with the late, I guess late, uh, comedian Andy Kaufman. Uh, and the musical guest was the Variety Hour. All in all, a very decent episode, if you if you ask me. And I, Now, I know no one did actually ask me, and I offered that unsolicited, but still, it's my honest opinion. So let's get this thing started by me bringing on our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy, Give us a small taste of your laughing abilities. <laughs> well, okay. Well, okay. I don't. Okay? I don't usually like to show off, you know, Spud. I know. But that was a pretty impressive display of laughing on demand. Uh, yeah, I mean, you took it up a notch from your normal, sometimes eh, pedestrian laughing, laughing. Oh, yeah. well, well done. I got to I'm giving it to you. Well done. All right. Oh, okay. And now I'm supposed to acknowledge our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Go ahead and say something. It doesn't have to be anything spectacular. Just a simple, hey, will suffice. Hey, yeah. what does hey even convey to our listeners? It seems like a very impersonal, rather dismissive greeting from me. I much prefer a hello, everyone. I am honored to be here for you, uh, to offer my talents. Okay, now you way more than sufficed. And now I have to introduce our show's intern chance. Go ahead and jump in here if you would. Nah. I'll go with uh, no comment at this moment. Just finishing up a video game on my phone. Maybe I'll join the conversation in a bit. Whoa. Uh, hey, you're coming in kind of hot here, uh, don't you think? Take it down a notch. You know, th this offer to participate in this episode uh, isn't open-ended, you know? Uh, the window is rapidly closing. Are, are you sure you don't want to participate right now? No. They want to shut of your mind talking about Justin Bieber! Listen, listen, kid. Just because you've been told by our producer, uh, executive producer or whatever her title is, you, you're kind of popular with the, the listeners. There's, there's no need to take on this prima donna attitude. But Chance is very focused when he's playing video games. That's why he never loses, from what I've seen anyway. I guess you would call him a once-in-a-generation type player. He has a real gift. Yeah, say, Chance, my youngest, Dwight, has been pestering my wife and I to get him a video machine or whatever whatever they call them. And to this point, we've banned video games in our family home. I know my oldest, uh, Gerald Jr., and daughter Kelsey were not too pleased with this over the years. But Dwight, you know, uh, yeah. But Dwight received really good grades this last quarter. He's in the seventh grade. So we may buy him some equipment to play. I, I don't know. My, my wife hasn't made a final decision. If it's a go, would you mind teaching him a few lessons? I always like to pay it forward and support young players, but he's way too old now to compete against other players his age. Even preschoolers would kick his butt. He would get so smoked. Yeah. <clears throat> I started playing it six months or so. My dad loved to play Pong and Pac-Man back then. Now he's given up playing as he got too tired of me destroying him. He's a poor loser. 
Wow. Uh, can you guys discuss video games after we're done here? Because right now we're going to play some of the opening discussion of that so-called Hoarders episode that aired back in 2016. And I remember being tagged in this one as being an actual hoarder, and I didn't appreciate it. And, and oh, yeah, I, I, th- I think our Greek chorus, the folk singers in hell, were also in the studio with us. So, But anyway, regardless, uh, J- Dave, just, just cue it up, please. Before we get going here tonight, I wanted to respond to the listener who, uh, who um, actually I should say plural listeners who have emailed me with questions about my personal collection of shoehorns. Oh yeah, you know I had mentioned this briefly on a recent show, and I have to say I am amazed at how many other shoehorn collectors there are around the world, and I do mean the world. As I got one email from a guy in Berlin, he checks out the show on uh, I think it's called Day Podcast. I, I don't know where in Europe for sure this site is. I, I've always been. I should look that up sometime because yeah anyway we've been carried on there a while but we get a bunch of downloads you know of the radio show there and this guy said he owns personally over 360 shoehorns himself wow but he didn't believe that i myself had over 700 of them in my collection he wanted me to like take a picture of them and and send it to him so you know so i did so I did. <laughs> I don't understand that, but I'm still laughing, and I don't know why. Well, and now the dude emails me like every other day. It, it, it's weird to be worshipped <laughs> for having a bunch of shoehorns. I wish it was because he dug the show. You know, Spud, I know you are an avid collector of many memorabilia items. Walking into your apartment, I'll tell you, it's like strolling through. Listen, do a- not, do not, don't say a garbage dump, okay? I'm so tired of hearing oh. family members complain about how cramped the apartment is with all my memorabilia, as you put it. They just don't get it. And it only makes common sense. Well, they might have an issue with the, well, smell, as uh, it's a rather pungent aroma coming in your bachelor apartment there. Uh, hey, look, I got rid of my fungus collection a couple months ago. The place smells fine now. Well, I think the odor was emanating more from just your fungus collection. Uh, now, do you still have the sweat sock collection from the roller derby league? Uh, you must have had a few hundred of those. Well, yeah. I mean, I love roller derby. I know. You know, when I just... Every time I go, I just ask a few skaters for their sweat socks afterwards. You know, some even... Some, even, some of them autograph them for me, but... You know, I keep those in a separate bin from the non-onographed ones. But, huh? I mean, I don't know. Collecting sweat socks, I'll admit, it, it it's kind of strange, but you would be surprised how popular it is. Really? I know, you know, most people ask NBA or NFL stars for theirs, but mm-hmm. the chances of getting, like, Steph Curry or Aaron Rodgers to send me their old socks, it's just, it's just not that great. That's not It's not going to happen. You know, they get bugged by everyone. Right. So I have to, you know, focus on less publicized sports. Like, I have a small collection of jocks from guys that play in this flag, you know, football league in the park near me. Um, I, I can't ask them for their jerseys after the game because they only have, like, one, and it has to last the whole season. But jocks are, like, easy to give up to fans. You know, it must be a little awkward asking a stranger for the jock strap that he is currently wearing. That, that's an intimate garment. Gerald, there's nothing intimate about a jock. It's really nothing more than a genital sock. I guess it could guarantee chastity if you just sewed in a lock. Yeah, yeah, for you with your secret underwear you have to wear all the time, I I guess that clothing item would uh, be off limits, right? But for most people, they don't have hang-ups about what they wear under their clothes. As we have discussed on many occasions, Spud, undergarments in our church are a special thing. Gerald. Yeah, we don't need to discuss it again on the air. Yeah, you know, that that topic bores me, actually. If you want to wear those things anyway... It's your business. Thank okay? you. Right. I can assure you, I will never ever collect any big time stars' magic underwear. Not even if Jimmer Fredette sent me his jock uh, or whatever he wears. We don't wear jocks. We wear a similar garment, but it's not a jock strap, okay? Let, let's change the subject, please. When I came back from the hospital, the first thing I did was go look at my vag in the mirror. It looks better looking than before. Well, I need to play some music anyway. So, oh, anyway, good, this good. band played on our show. Yeah, Spud, I-, I didn't appreciate you misconstruing what we Mormons wear in athletic endeavors. Yeah, I- I've heard those insulting jabs over the years, you know, about us wearing large magic jocks over our holy underwear. Now, 
Who would wear a jock strap over one's underwear? That is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Well, I, I've I've heard it personally, so I I, I was going to ask. Okay. Well, anyway, this whole hoarders thing uh, got started when when I brought up my shoehorn collection. Okay, and that 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 I still have to this day, I might add. I have been offered a pretty penny for some of those shoehorns. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm not. That's the truth. I'm still holding on to them as they've appreciated. You know, kind of like real estate. And I, you know, I'd leave them to a kid of mine if I if I had any. But since I don't, like officially at this point, I guess you know I'll put it in my will to donate them to some museum or something. Oh well, I've seen your shoehorn collection, Spud, and. I seriously doubt any museum would display those nasty-looking things. And who's interested in shoehorns? Oh, you would be surprised, Andrew. <laughs> I also collect certain things, but shoehorns are really stupid. Who even uses a shoehorn these days? They went out with the VHS tapes. Yeah, oh, I would disagree there, Chance. I have two or three shoehorns at home, and my collection of TV shows on VHS tapes since the mid-'80s are maybe my most prized possession outside of the Eagle Scout Award I got in my senior year of high school. Yes, that award does not have much financial value, but it still means the world to me. Uh, what is an Eagle Scout? Is that a stuffed bird? The answer is... Oh my gosh. Ch Chance, you never had the opportunity to become an Eagle Scout in high school? Oh, that, that is really sad to hear. The Boy Scouts are a real treasure to this country. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I've always thought that being an Eagle Scout was overrated, you know. Some of the guys I grew up with became one, and I have to say, they became really arrogant afterwards, like really full of themselves. I was in the Cub Scouts myself, and I never used my membership in that organization to humiliate others. Oh, no. An Eagle Scout would never use his position to make others feel less adequate, Spud. We represent the best of the best. And sometimes well, that's difficult for others to accept. Yeah, whatever. Now, we're, we're supposed to now move on to my interview with actor Zach Guilford from Friday Night's Friday Night Lights fame. Yeah, in addition, he he also did one of those Purge movies and actually a, a ton of stuff with you know other shows over the years. But I will always know him as Matt Saracen, uh, QB2, and then QB1 for Coach Taylor's Dylan Panthers. Oh, I am a fan of Zach's. What a hottie. And just so you know, he was out of high school when he did that show. So don't try and shame me for my attraction to him. That's so hot. And Chance is well aware of the situation. Yeah, I'm not a football fan. But when Dorothy watches an old episode of that show, I watch too as I kind of have a thing for that Coach Taylor's daughter, Julie. She's very cute. Yeah, okay. Good to know you guys have like an open TV show crush relationship or whatever you want to call it. But Dave, <laughs> just run the interview. Everyone, please greet actor Zach Guilford to the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, full disclosure, uh, you know, I love saying the title uh, of the show as much as possible because my name's in it. I just want to get that out of the way. So welcome, Zach. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Now, everyone in America is aware that you are, or, okay, I guess maybe were, Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights, quite possibly the best sports-related drama ever, yes, even better than The White Shadow that aired on CBS from 78 to 81. So you must really be <laughs> proud. You know, you're proud. You might have to be proud that it transcended sports and it had a heck of a lot of heart. I, that's my opinion. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm so proud of that show. And, uh, I, you know, I think we did a, a great job making it. I thought it was really heck yeah. an amazing show. and. And it wasn't cheesy, you know. We found a way to have heart without it being, like, you know, corny. And uh, it was a little, unfortunately, you know, I wish that show could have run for a much longer time, but I think we always pride ourselves on it being very authentic. And, you know, kids grow up, and none of us wanted to be in high school for 10 years. So, you know, I think the show kind of came to its natural end. I know I was really bummed at that after the fifth season because I wanted that sixth one. But, well, let me ask you this. You, you check in at, what, around 5'9", 160? How much pounding did you have to take filming the act, game action stuff after taking over for Jason Street or, or Scott Porter in real life, I guess? That's QB1 in season one. I mean, I think we tried to take more pounding than they would let us. Uh, 
you know, we'd always be like, I want to do it. I want to do the stunt. I want to do the stunt. And they'd tell, because these football players, some of them played in the NFL. They all played college football. So they'd be like, all right, Zach's in for this. Take it at 30%. And, like, you know, 30% you get hit. I'd be like, how do you hold on to the ball when you get hit that hard? Um, but also, you know, we had a, we all wanted to do as much as possible, but we didn't have any egos. And, you know, so if there's a throw that I could hit, like, Five out of ten times, my double could hit it nine out of ten, and I didn't need to prove any, to anyone I could do it and waste time missing it. So, you know, we'd usually let them, let our doubles do the, the serious football uh, just because. And it was serious. I mean, we had players break bones. We had people get concussions. And, really? Uh, those guys, oh, yeah. And those guys, I mean, they worked so hard. They're, they're the best. And, like, you know, we really had a team by the end. You know, we had the same football players basically for – all five years and so we got really close with them and you know there were times when I think it was did you he was his name came in and and I got benched the whole team was like I don't like this guy man I don't you're our quarterback you're our quarterback I don't like that they brought this new guy in so uh it was fun it was like a real team yeah, I had to keep telling myself, you know, I've, I've been in the showbiz thing for a while, and, and I should know better, but I had to keep telling myself it was a TV show. So I became a pretty big fan of the Dylan Panthers. I just want to get that out. So, all right. Okay, move, <laughs> you know, moving on. Moving on to other stuff. You've also done a few scary films, and I will admit to being somewhat afraid of watching those kind of movies at night, so I usually watch them in the daylight. So The Purge Anarchy had a semi-impressive body count, and The Devil's Due was appropriately creepy. So I, I take it actually being in scary movies is not that scary because you break for lunch and stuff is that right you break for lunch and it's i mean you know if there's a scene where there's like a bunch of blood you're just like oh this is gross it's so sticky i want to get out of it and you just have to dig deep and be like all right i'm gonna act like i'm scared even though i'm really just miserable um so yeah definitely not so scary when you're there but you do have moments i mean you know to make stuff look right sometimes i've shot in some creepy places and uh you know i'm purged we shot that all on locations in LA and we were, you know, downtown and down in like old train depots and stuff and places that had been abandoned for a while. So it was kind of creepy. Some of the locations that we were in, um, there's actually a scene in an alley where a, a rat jumps on my wife's leg and there were literally tons of rats in that alley. Like we were all freaked out because we thought we were going to get swarmed. Wow. All right. Yeah, rats kind of fun. I mean, I had a pet rat once, but now that I'm a little older, I'm realizing maybe that's probably not a good idea. But anyway, so you did a couple episodes of Drunk History. And off the record, does Comedy Central serve you guys weak well drinks and cheap beer? Or do they spring for, like, top shelf stuff before cast members go before the cameras? You know, I... <laughs> they didn't ask me to be the drunk guy. I was in, uh, reenacting the drunk guy. But the guy who created the show, Derek, is a good friend of mine. And uh, basically... They ask you what your uh, what your drink of choice is, and you know you tell them, and they supply it. Uh, so Super. It's in the house, so you know you're not going out to a bar ordering top shelf. They're bringing it over, so it's about half the price. So I think they kind of make up for it there. Wow. All right. Uh, okay. That's for the record. Uh, Spud, if I may, yes. well, I know you're currently lobbying our producer to provide free booze for you and the musical guests here in the studio. Right. Well, I still feel quite strongly that drinking alcohol on the show is not a wise idea. Who asked you? Well, as you know, I'm not a drinker, and I'm not real familiar with the type of alcohol you're requesting be made available for everyone here. Is it cream de mint, you said? Yeah, cream de mint. I find it a very tasty beverage that has a little minty kick to it, sort of like dessert with a buzz. So, yeah, okay, I personally enjoy it, but I feel it would be a nice gesture to offer the musicians, too, who are nice enough to perform on our show. But, Spud, do we really want wild, out-of-control people who are puking all over the place? I don't puke after a couple glasses of cream de mint, okay? I can handle my after-dinner drinks. Well, why not a nice glass of Tang or Hawaiian Punch for everyone? Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian Punch? Sure. <laughs> there'd really? Be, there'd be a lot less green vomit to clean up after each show. As someone who can't even drink a Diet Coke, maybe you should oh. stick with stuff you know something about. Well, no need to bring up my religious beliefs, Spud. Okay, but I've never gotten that coffee-cola deal. I get the alcohol angle, as you sure don't want people puking at church. Anyway, let's just let me get back to Zach. Well, very well, but just give my suggestion some thought, please. Hey, I'm back. Sorry about that, Zach. Oh, uh, no problem. No problem. 
Uh, well, Zach, what do you like to do away from the showbiz scene? Now, this is a trite question, yes, and, and there's a heads up. I have an even more cliche one to close this interview coming up next, but what do you usually do to... Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do to kick back? Uh, you know, I'm an outdoors guy, so I like to hike. I mean, I used to be a big camper. I used to take, like, high school kids on backpacking trips for, like, months at a time in Alaska and New Zealand, so... You know, one of the big upsides to living in California is there's mountains right there. And, right. You know, I can get out, drive an hour, and be, you know, in the mountains all day and feel like I'm, you know, somewhere in the Rockies. Uh, so that's kind of what I love to do. Um, I just like to be outside. I like to be active. I get very antsy sitting around. Oh, all right, super. Now there's rats up in the mountains, too. I just want to give you a heads up. So, okay, well, last question. <laughs> Zach, um, what has been your most memorable moment in the entertainment industry to this point? Oh, man, most memorable moment, honestly. <laughs> you can make something uh, up if you want. No, no, they're all sports-related, you know what I mean? Luckily, my first TV show, I'm a huge sports guy, and my first TV show is sports-based, and so a lot of sports people watch it, so... Through that, I was able to go on the field for a Bears game. I was able to throw out the opening pitch at a White Sox game. Wow. I've been in the locker room for the Chicago Bulls. Dang. Um, and that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, I will milk this as long as possible. Because um, I feel like a kid meeting these people. Um, so it's, it's, it's been pretty, I'm very thankful for all, you know, aside from the life that, you know, being able to work has afforded me. I'm also thankful for all the, like, experiences of it. Dang, yeah, all right, super. Hey, uh, thanks very much for checking in with us, man, okay? My pleasure, man. Zach seems like such a nice young man. Uh, nowadays, I believe he's like 41 years old or so, so oh. not exactly a young man, but, yeah, he, he's a really good dude. Hey, 41 is still a very young man. I know, Dorothy, that me being 22 in our relationship is a bit of an issue to others, but I'm very grateful that you did not discriminate age-wise. I know if I was a bit older, say, in my late 30s, you would not have to deal with the questions you get from the people around us. Well, anyone who's focused on age-appropriate issues in relationships, I have no time for. Life is short, and when one finds the love of their life, well, anyone with a problem with us can just go to hell. Yes! Okay then, Aunt Dorothy. But, you know, yes, I have on occasion maybe mentioned that the age difference between you two might concern most people, but it's not like I'm calling the police on you for child endangerment or something. In time, like, you know, after your wedding, there's a possibility that I will come to accept the situation. Possibly. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you know what? I, I, too, have some concerns about this, but this unorthodox relationship, you know, but ultimately, this is a matter for our Lord to referee. He will make the final call. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Well, right now, we're, we're going to check in with our show's resident psychic, uh, Mr. Ted Marr. Uh, in this segment, I asked him to try and check in with the supposedly late comedian, Andy Kaufman. And, uh, and wouldn't you know it, he, he says he found him. So, well, sort of. I don't know. Dave, run it. Please welcome the Spud Goodman Show's own psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. Hey, Ted. Uh, so tonight I wanted to ask you if you could try and contact Andy Kaufman, you know, the comedian for me. I just did. He just came in, actually. Super. All right. And I cool. think he'll have, he'll, we'll have some surprising answers for you. Wow. Hey, Spud, if you're going to ask Ted about Andy Kaufman, could you request that he check on Dane Cook? I don't think Dane Cook is dead. Really? I would have no. sworn he died a few years ago. You know, I've always been a big Dane Cook fan. Yeah, good to know. Anyway, uh, let me get back to Ted, okay? Yeah, okay, okay. All right, Ted, I'm back. Sorry about that. Okay, sh good, sure. You know, there have been stories over the years that he may have, you know, punked us all by faking his death, and I was such a huge fan. If if you are able to connect with him right now, that that would be, you know, good enough proof for me so I can finally have closure. All I can say is it's just weird when you don't know for sure if someone's actually dead. 
Well, um, what my spirit friends are saying on the other side is that he did fake his death, and um, he's still very much alive today, but living under an assumed name. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. That's a scoop. Mm-hmm. I'm sure TMZ is going to be mm-hmm. on this. You're going to definitely get on TMZ for that. All right. Well, um, what, <laughs> where, where, where's he hanging out at, if I could ask? Or is that like uh, is that like the you know witness protection thing where he's not allowed to disclose or you're not allowed to disclose for him? Um, I got California. California. Well, all right. And he goes between Los Angeles and Vegas. Wow. That's pretty. Quite a bit. That's done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's not on that other side then. So he's still hanging with all of us. So uh, this is interesting. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, does he have a lot of people pissed at him, like friends, family, uh, besides his fans? Uh, I mean, how's he handling all this? Is, is, he, is he afraid to come out? He prefers being in, in um, under undercover because uh, the, the one word that I got were, was bill, were bills. Bills, okay. Um, yeah, he got bills. He's got creditors. Um, by disappearing, faking his death, um, he had sequestered a lot of money aside. Um, he paid uh, for a new identity, and so he's living very comfortably now. But you had plastic surgery, um, a new identity, and you would not probably know. You wouldn't know him if you saw him today. Wow. Well, if if for, you know if he would have actually passed on to that other side, uh, do entities get mm-hmm. get pissed when someone messes with them, or, or you know, like because he really loved to mess with people, or, or do they just give a pass to everybody, you know, especially people like Andy, if 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 they get on their nerves? What happens is that when people go to the other side, um, they get access, instant access to universal truth. So they're able to understand why they behaved the way they the way they did, why pe- other people may perhaps be unhappy or happy with them, and so um, with that in mind, their behavior often changes for the better. I'm not saying that everyone changes for the uh, when they get on the other side because the personalities often re- remain intact. All right. Well, I guess you've uh, answered the great mystery about uh, Andy Kaufman, and uh, now I, I suppose you've unleashed. Uh, the world in uh, an ongoing uh, attempt to locate him somewhere in California or maybe when he's hanging out in Vegas. So I guess that's something we can all, you know, focus our attention on. I know I myself will uh, do what I could do. I'd love to have him on this radio show. So, all right. Well, Ted, I want to thank you so much for checking in with us tonight, okay? My pleasure. Uh, happy to be of service, bud. All right, Mr. Ted Marr. You know, at the time, I wasn't familiar with this Andy Kaufman and neglected to ask you about him. Now, he was in show business, correct? Uh, yeah, one of the most creative comedy minds ever. He, he was fearless in his craft. Now, I don't know how valid Ted's information was just, you know, between us. Uh, hopefully he's not listening to this because, uh, you know, that he's, he says he's still alive and hiding out somewhere. Uh a lot of people do believe this, but I don't know. I mean, I asked our producer many times since that conversation with Ted, you know, to like maybe try and find Andy and try to get him to come on, you know, our podcast. She's she's relentless when searching out guests. So if she couldn't find him, then he may very well be dead. Okay. I haven't given up hope, but, but, you know, I doubt he would do this podcast now you know what i'm doing these days maybe our our old radio show because you know we were on a lot of stations but you know since every living breathing being on earth now has or will soon have their own podcast i'm sure he's you know constantly bugged by others to come on there so i mean you know that that is if he's still hanging around i would love to someday fake my death you know just to get some peace from my mother She's always asking me to do stuff, especially when I'm playing against serious competition online. I don't need distractions if I want to continue to dominate other gamers. And you know I make every effort to give you your space when you're playing. That is probably the biggest reason why I love you so much. You get me. You complete me. Yeah, okay. Well, right now we're going to play a song from our musical guest on this episode and also my interview. Uh, The musical guest was The Variety Hour. Um, Yeah, so Dave, hit it. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please welcome our musical guest for tonight. It is Swoon Records recording artist, The Variety Hour. Uh, Gentlemen, please state your name and your shoe size. Rob Olson, size 12. 
Robert Lomax, size seven. I'm like an elf. May I ask? Yeah, I was going to ask if your shoes, if the shoes match the hand size, but I'll, I'll just forget about that. Um, so give us uh, the for dummies version of uh, the life and times of the Variety Hour, the date of birth, band feuds, number of rehab stays, you know, the usual stuff. Well, uh, we're going on 10 years together, and uh, 10 years, same two guys. We've had a few bass players, and uh, now we're kind of rocking it as a two-piece. Um, we're, uh, we're mixing album number four. Uh, last album was on Swoon Records. Exploded View is the name of the album. Okay, super. Uh, playing the local scene. All right. Well, when the band gets to the point where you can like start making demands on your concert writers, what will be the most, you know, the must-have item for your dressing room before the show, a humidifier maybe. All I wanted was a Pepsi, just one Pepsi, and she wouldn't give it to me. Or you know maybe a case of Fago or or, or Pepsi or whatever. Oh. Any demands that you're looking forward to putting down in writing? Well, I have a demand on what not to have, and that's brown M&Ms in the M&M bowl. Okay. Mm. All right. Mm. I think I've read about that. Um, is there anyone uh, who had a real big influence on the band and its sound? You want to go for it, Robert? Uh, there's a lot. Uh, local bands, Wellwater Conspiracy, Pearl Jam. Rob, I'll let you finish. Yeah, you know, we're big into uh, kind of the heavy shoegaze bands of the 90s, like the Catherine Wheel. Um, we like some newer bands, like the Life and Times, kind of post-rock. Um, All right. Uh, All right, super. Well, let me ask you this. Do either of you guys, like, away from the band, I like to get a little bit of, you know, background on you guys away from music. Do you guys ever maybe think about doing Civil War reenactments? Because I've been thinking of, you know, trying that activity one weekend in, like, next month, I think it is. You know, but but my only concern is what if you get picked to be on the losing side, right? I mean, I look a lot better in blue. Gray makes me look pale. You guys ever thought about doing this? Well, we've never gotten past Revolutionary War, so, you know, it's certainly on the horizon. We don't want to count that out. Super. Here is the Variety Hour.
is the Spud Goodman Show. It smells really good. I guess uh, we are now going to return to our in-studio conversation about my supposed out-of-control collecting habit that I continue to state is way, way overblown. I just see value in things that others may define as trash, you know? Um, I think it'd be actually... Well, what is one man's treasure is another's garbage. I, I think that's how that goes. No, I, I think you messed that up, that old I saying, did. man. I, yeah. uh, but I don't have time to Google it right now. Uh, Dave, just, just run the segment from the old episode, if you would. You know, now that we've brought up my little hobby on the show tonight, I have to say, you know, you really ought to give collecting memorabilia, you know, a shot yourself. No offense, but you seem to live a 100% fun-free life, man. I mean, where's the joy? Uh, How do you conjure up the strength to get out of bed each morning knowing your bleak existence will be devoid of any happiness? I'm a very happy person, extremely happy. Really? I'm happy all day long. But my wife, Rachel, would never let me fill up our house with all the items you seem to value. You know, we use our living space for our family to enjoy. Uh, Yeah, I was going to mention that. Do you really enjoy sitting on the furniture in that living room of yours? You know, when I finally did come over for dinner, what was it, a couple months ago? Right, yeah. I got to say, I was a little creeped out. I mean, with everything covered in plastic, it felt like being in a quarantine Ebola unit at a hospital. What's your wife afraid of? You know, that someone's going to, like, drop a crumb or something? I'm so hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is a bit of a neat nick. Oh, yeah, you think? I, I kid her often about it. But, you know, with the kids and their friends, upholstery can be damaged at any moment. We have very nice furniture, Spud. Well, we try to keep it that what way. What good is nice furniture if you can't enjoy it? Your kids must take a lot of crap from their friends. You know, you know like they live in a, a plastic bubble or something? Yes, yeah. I, I believe the kids have mentioned that a few friends have made a similar remark or two. But, hey, you know what? If it keeps Rachel happy... Look, yeah. look, I know that money is an issue for you. I I mean, with you having two jobs already, collecting might be a great thing for you as I make a bit of cash, you know, selling my stuff on eBay. I don't need to get specific, but I, I make some dough. So maybe you can make enough to quit that carpet salesman job you have. Spud, let's be honest about making money with the eBay thing. With the exception of that sweatband worn by Yao Ming and some astro lube found in the garbage can of Sting, you haven't made enough cash to buy a mood ring. Oh, I, I gotta tell you, Spud, I would never quit my position with South Seattle Carpet and there Linoleum. You go. I love my job there as assistant manager. Yeah, I guess I deserve that free plug of yours as I teed that one up for you. But no more mentions about your other job without them paying for it. Right, right. Got it, got it. I just get excited every time I discuss South yeah, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, so if if you want, I could get you started on collecting, say, shoehorns, too. I have mm. some plastic ones that, that I could part with. I mean, not totally free. We could discuss a trade, you know, maybe. You know, um... I could use some new shag carpeting in my bedroom. Oh, oh I'm not allowed to take store products for personal use, but I hope you can respect that. Really? Well, then what about a killer discount? How about that, at least? You got to be able to do that. I'm giving you 15 or 20 rare shoehorns, man. Well, at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum, we pride ourselves on the fact that we do not discount our merchandise, as we already have the lowest prices in the market. It's not even close. Oh, shut up. You know, one more mention of your place of business, and I will have a billing statement prepared by the interns. Put it in the mail right after the show. You got it? I'll tell them to do that. So you, you know, anyway, so you're you're not even going to let me, the host of this show, get a little tiny discount. That is very upsetting. Just forget about the damn shoehorns then. That, that's that's fine, Spud, as I'm not interested in collecting shoehorns. Yeah, but they're really, really cool shoehorns. It's okay. I'm fine without them. Uh, that's what you think now, but later you're going to kick yourself for turning your back on this deal. Well, I, I'll, I will live with that, I guess. All right, fine. Now, why don't you just make yourself useful now? I know after re-listening to this segment from a few years ago, you're now kicking yourself for passing up on the deal I laid out about swapping those shoehorns of mine for some shag carpeting, you know, from your place of business, that other job you have. And, and just like I said then, what a horrible decision on your part. No, no. I I feel now, just like I did then, they have no value to me. What? Yeah, my grandfather is the only person I know of that uses shoehorns anymore. 
He has that one he pulls out when he tried to put on his wingtip shoes, but my dad has to put them on him because he can't bend over to do it. So the shoehorn is useless. Oh, someday soon, I hope to meet your grandfather, Chance. He sounds like a very interesting man. Yeah, we should probably do that real soon, as he didn't look too good the last time I saw him. All right, well, now we're going to play my interview with actor R.J. Mitty, who, of course, played Walter White Jr. from Breaking Bad. I really love that show. I still do in reruns. I, I'm, oh. I'm still checking them out. Yes, yes, but I think it was one of the all-time great shows on TV. Good call, yo. Uh, you know, I've still not seen that Breaking Bad program. There are just so many good shows now on CBS and also on that Paramount channel, you know, uh, like Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah, right, whatever. Uh, Dave, run, run, run it, please. Run the interview. Please say hello to actor R.J. Mitty. Uh, thanks for calling in, man. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Super. All right, well, you have a film out now, Who's Driving Doug? Uh, tell our listeners the basics. I I'm guessing you don't play the son of a teacher meth cook, correct? <laughs> no, not this time. Uh, I play a character named Doug, uh, who uh, has muscular dystrophy, and is kind of in a position where he's confined, not to a chair, but to his life. Mm -hmm. He's just stuck in this rut where he goes to school and goes home and that's all he does. He never really expresses, explores his life and expresses his feelings and this is a journey of him understanding that he's not confined as much as he thinks he is. He has to step out for himself and he has to fight for what he wants. And it's cool. It takes place in Los Angeles and uh, Vegas. Oh, super. Well, Daphne uh, Zuniga uh, plays your mother in the film. That makes me feel very, very old. As I used to have a thing for her on Melrose Place. Didn't really care for the show, but I just dug her. It must be cool to have all these hot on-screen moms. I mean, Anna Gunn, too, of course. Life is good for R.J. Mitty, correct? I mean, hey, you know, it's, it's, I've, I've been lucky enough that I've always had hot moms. So, yeah. you know, I, I, can't, I can't complain. It's funny that she's on Melrose Place, but she's also on Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. Uh, the company. So, no, I've, I've been very lucky with the group of people that I've been able to work with. RJ, you were incredible as Walter White Jr. I mean, you won a Screen Actors Guild After Award for your portrayal of the son of a, a very, very complicated man. When you got the role, what were your expectations of how the show would be received? Did you, did you have a gut feeling it had the potential to be massive right away, or did you feel it would be a slow build? Well, we had, you know, you can never know what's going to happen with a project. You never know if it's going to be a success or a failure, even how good you think it is. So we were just hoping for the best. And it's like any project. You you, you do your job. You hope you, you enjoy it. You hope the fans enjoy it. But you just, at the end of the day, you just put it out there for the world to see. And if it gets picked up, if it gets, it gets picked up, and if it falls, it falls. Right. You just keep making it. Keep, keep fighting for the next one. Well, during the shooting of the last season, I was just curious, were you afraid your character might meet a terrible fate? I mean, if they were ever going to have a reunion movie or something, it would be a bummer if Walter White Jr. wasn't around. You know, I actually, I was hoping for a good old-fashioned bloodbath death. Oh. I thought, uh, I thought, I thought that would have been the most ultimate, um, ultimate sacrifice that Brian's character, what would have had to do was sacrifice, sacrifice his son, because then he, then everything would have been for nothing. Right. Okay. Um. Well, you know, I wanted to get yeah, on that note. <laughs> yeah, really. Hey, um, Spud. Yes. I, well, I know you were a big fan of Breaking Bad, so I was just wondering if you too grew up in a household with a meth cooking father. I know you've hinted that your dad had issues. Look, my but dad was never a meth cook, man. Geez, yes, he did have issues, but they centered around his inability to stop dating after he married my mother. Oh. It went on for like years. I think they sort of had an open marriage for a while, as those were big in the 70s, but I know my mom thought he was a total horn dog. In fact, I think that term was used in her request 
cost for the divorce. Oh, that's good to know. I, I just wondered why you loved Breaking Bad so much, and I was hoping that you two were not brought up by someone like Walter White. No, the worst thing my dad ever got involved with was stealing basic cable for many years. I, uh, he just thought the cable company was ripping everyone off, so he sort of borrowed the neighbor's signal by splicing into their line. But unlike Walter White, he never got caught. You know, your dad sounds like he was quite a rebel. Yeah, I mean, if he ever did make it to heaven, then I'm pretty sure he's hitting on anything that's blonde and open to listening to his sales pitch. He always had a thing for blondes. Well, I hope that they're age appropriate. It's, there's nothing sadder than an older guy in heaven still looking for women half their own age. Look, my dad was open to women of any age. He didn't discriminate against older women, as long as they were even, like, sort of blonde. Yeah, but your mother was a brunette. Yeah, I guess she had a few blonde wigs in their bedroom, but I don't want to get into that right now. Okay. Let me get back to RJ, okay? Yeah, wigs, huh? Th that sounds like good, wholesome fun to me. Yeah, whatever. Hey, RJ. Well, I wanted to cover this. Now, you've taken it upon yourself to work as a spokesperson for those dealing with disabilities in the entertainment industry, serving as a representative of inclusion in the arts and media of performers with disabilities. Has there, in your opinion, has there been much progress made in hiring practices? Um, you know, I, yes, yes and no. I think there's definitely been more, uh, m more opportunity for people with disabilities. I think we still have a long way to go. But um, I, I think... I think what it's really getting down to is you have a lot of people with disabilities that are putting in the work, that are putting in the hours, that are putting in the time, that are wanting to work and wanting to make a difference in the the, um, the arts and films community. And I think that's really important because it's only it's only half the battle to, to get in the door, but it's the other half is, is to make sure that you are presenting a good work. And that you do have a um, a good message, and I think that a lot of people with disabilities have been hitting it hard and are getting ready for pilot season. So I, I think there is a big change, but I think we do need more access, and we do need more we need more honest stories in, in television. So I think it's a working progress. Super. Well, you personally have mild cerebral palsy, but did you experience bullying and harassment by peers in school? Yeah, I did. I I felt I dealt with my own bullies. I um I had my hand broken, my foot broken. I was pushed. I was shoved. I was made. I was made fun of. But um, you know, the thing about it was, is I never really allowed them to to manipulate me. I never allowed them. I was never really afraid of them. I always fought back. I always. I, I never really backed down from from these people because as soon as you start showing weakness, they they prey on you and they keep attacking you. And if you stand up for what you believe in, if you stand up for yourself, I don't care what bully it is. It could be a kid on the schoolyard or it could be your boss. You know, right? I hate to say it, we never really we never really get out of school, right? So I you you can't you can't back down. And I think there there is. You know, I, there is a time place, but you have to always fight back. Right. I, I just wanted to get your counsel for other kids who might be listening to ha who you know have to deal with similar experiences. So thank you for that. Okay. Oh, no, good. Right. Um, I'm going to close this interview with my stock question of what's been your most memorable moment. But in your case, let's go with your five seasons on Breaking Bad. Yeah. No. I um. I've I've been lucky enough. I've had quite a few mineral uh, mineral. <laughs> memorable moments in my life. I've been I've been very lucky that I've had some extraordinary things. Uh, Breaking Bad being one of them. But uh, I, I think for when it comes down to that, the pilot for me was the most extraordinary experience. And it, it taught me so much. And it taught me... Uh, the only reason why I'm in this industry today is because of the pilot. So. Right. Okay. Super. So again, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. No, my pleasure. All right, Mr. R.J. Mitty. You know, I had a biology teacher in high school who was later arrested by the FBI. He didn't cook meth or anything, but he did get busted for bank robbery. Well, actually, I think it was a credit union he hit. I read in the papers the staff there were on their toes, and all he got was like 300 bucks. 
I would never have known from being in his class that he had a serious gambling problem. He'd lost his house and almost everything. I gotta say, he was a crappy biology teacher. Some of the kids in class knew more about biology than him. I guess that explains why he chose a small credit union over a real bank with more money. People can't figure me out. They can't process me. I don't expect them to. You can't process me with a normal brain. You know, at first I thought your story might have an exciting ending or payoff, you know, for taking up that much airtime. But but no, it, it just sort of petered out. You know, I never had any teachers in my high school get arrested or, or tried to pull off bank jobs. They were all God-fearing, patriotic Americans who took seriously the oath that they took on when they became teachers. Oh, Gerald, teachers do not take an oath before they enter a classroom. I, I think so. Yeah. Think Where the hell did you hear that? Well, I, I don't remember exactly. I love the poorly educated. But it's it's a great idea, don't you think? No, we have a hard enough time getting anyone nowadays to become teachers. You know, making them take an oath or pledge is just flat out weird. Well, they need to promise they won't push that CRT agenda in our classrooms. It's a real threat to our children. You're a lying pony faced dog soldier. Do you really want to go down that rabbit hole right now? Again, I should say, how many times have I told you CRT is not taught in our K through 12 public school system? It's a lie that was spread nonstop on Fox News and their wannabe competitors. Just give it up. Yo, all right. I'll drop the subject now, but I will never give up the fight to protect our innocent students from this brainwashing. Good for you. And now we're going to a call-in segment, I guess, from that episode. Uh, not that I want to play it as looking back. You know, I never should have taken the damn call. Uh, I, I remember this one kind of well. Uh, but but I was told it needed to be included in this podcast. So here you go. Run it, Dave. Hey, uh, Spud. There's another call holding for you, but I don't think it's anyone famous. Do you want to take it as we have a few minutes to kill here, or would you rather just speak with me now? You know, we could talk about our families, books we enjoy, maybe a little sports talk. You don't know anything about sports, so no, I will opt for taking the damn call. But thanks for the offer. Put it through. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, uh, is this Mr. Spud S. Goodman? Uh, yeah. Uh, how'd you know my middle initial? Uh, my name is James Reinhardt, and I'm with Evergreen Collections. I'm calling about an overdue obligation uh, you currently owe. Uh, I believe you're familiar with this outstanding yeah, stuff. Yeah, really? You're, you're going to call me at work? You know, I'm on the air right now. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had no choice. Uh, you haven't responded to our correspondence, and apparently you don't have a current working phone number. Uh, Hold it, because I don't get to tee off of you. Would, would you like me to implement the plan now? You know, we've prepared for this. You just say the word. No, I, I can handle this, all right? Yeah, I am Spud S. Goodman, all right? But dude, don't bug me at work, okay? Call me later, I'll call you or whatever. Just later, okay? I gotta go. Your, uh, your employer has been notified on the pending garnishment of your wages in this matter. It, it need not be punitive, Mr. Goodman. Just say the word and we can negotiate a workable payment plan. Look, this was like two years ago, and I stopped using my Home Depot credit card. I never should have opened the thing, but the guy at the counter there said I could get the card on the spot. So I said, yeah, but, you know, I could have paid cash for that stupid fake Christmas tree if it was priced reasonably. $270 for a tree? You know, he told me it would last 15 years, so it was a bargain in the long term. Tonight, a Kelly File exclusive. Actually, you know, if you prorate that figure out, he was correct as natural Christmas trees cost on average about... The, the damn thing was too freaking hard to put together. The directions made no sense, so I just ended up duct taping it together to get through that Christmas. And I took it back after the new year, but they wouldn't give me my a refund, wouldn't give me my money back. Something about all the <laughs> duct tape on it or something. I will never, ever, ever... You know, pay that money back to Home Depot. I don't know. I don't know if this dude's still on the line. In fact, I will never set foot back in a Home Depot ever, especially since you their CEO is such a. Mr. Goodman, uh, you know what? Um, I'll just submit the wage attachment paperwork. Uh, uh, have a good evening. It, it wasn't until you called. 
You know. Do you still have that tree, Spud? Maybe I can try to take it back for you. You know, me being in retail, I might be able to finesse the situation. Gerald, could you just not say anything so well, I can find something to laugh at here? I mean, uh, you're killing me. Yeah, I, I set it on fire outside my apartment on the 4th of July last summer. Really? It went up in like 30 seconds. It was pretty impressive. The kids liked it. You know, they're watching it. But anyway, just... Well, I never understood why you bought that fake tree, Spud. No one in our family ever put up a fake Christmas tree. Ever. That was just not something we would do. So it's difficult for me to sympathize with you getting into that financial tussle with Home Depot and now the collection agency. Hmm, did, did you ever resolve that situation? Well, I, I would have taken care of it right away if you had loaned me the money to pay it off. But remember, you chose not to. Oh, yes. I could not in good conscience bail you out of that disgusting decision you made to go with the pretend Christmas tree, Spud. I felt then, as I do now, that people need to learn life lessons the hard way to really impact their future behavior. In your case, maybe not so much, as you still have collection agencies after you, right? There's only one that's still bugging me with nonstop calls and letters. You know, a couple of years ago, I bought a jet ski on sale, like for a week or so before I took it back. You know, it was a killer deal, but but after I returned it, they said I still owed them like, I don't know, it was $1,200 for damages. I, I guess I shouldn't have tried to run it, you know, in the parking lot of my apartment. It was, it was up on blocks and I, I ran it too long and too hard, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, I later learned it, you got to have some water through the, I don't know, either in the water, running a hose or something. I don't know. It didn't have any water, okay? And I cranked it really, really uh, up and loud. Uh, yeah. Um, it did sound really cool, though. I have to say that. Um, I, you know, my neighbors were all yelling at me to shut it off, but still, it was, you know, it was fun. I gotta, I'm not going to lie. But, and Dorothy, that was a life lesson I did learn, though, okay? So, you know, just don't buy something expensive if it's tough to return. What are you objectifying on? Mm. You're lucky you didn't take it out on the water. You would have killed yourself. Dorothy told me you don't know how to swim very well. <laughs> I can swim good, good enough to not drown in a lake that's fairly calm. You know, uh, to get to shore if I had to, I, I can dog paddle as well as anyone. So, Aunt Dorothy, no need to worry about me on the water, okay? Uh, okay. But, yeah. So now we're going to run the closing segment of the Hoarders episode, which I still believe was a stupid title. Uh, Dave? No, but, you know, Spud, now but, that we've brought up the topic of your memorabilia collection, well, have you given any thought to the possibility that you may be a little too invested emotionally in this activity? You, you seem so attached to all those items you've gathered and are storing in your apartment. What? Yeah, your living space is very small right now. It's almost unlivable. You have magazines and boxes stacked up to Look, the ceiling you in places. You Non-collectors just don't get it. Uh, the stuff I have curated in my apartment are part of me. Part of who Spud Goodman is. Would you be where you are had there not been a sex tape? No. Uh, you know, I think you just used a third-person reference, Spud. That's supposed to cost anyone on staff here five bucks in the cliché jar. Well, maybe so, but it was worth it. I'll borrow the money from one of the interns later, so don't worry. I'll put the money in the jar. Oh, okay. Listen, Spud, I, you are so darn witty. I know this is a sensitive topic for you, as I am sure family members have already broached the subject with you. But, Spud, are you aware of the psychological realities that fellow hoarders deal Listen, with in their daily lives? I am lives? not a hoarder. That's the cross that serious collectors like me have to bear. You become really good at something, you know, like this, and, and people come at you with that hoarder label. What? You're now a clinical psychologist? Is that your third job? It must be part-time. Because I know, I know you don't have the time to have a third job, so... Just knock it off. I don't need to hear that. I, I'm not professing to be a psychologist, but I did watch many episodes of Hoarders on Annie, and I'm able to empathize with those who suffer from this affliction. The first step is to admit you have a problem. There are others, not me, but professionals who are trained to help you through this. You complete me. Is this about my petrified tongue collection? None are human tongues, okay? What? Most are animals, and, and a few are birds. If I... If I had them appraised, and I'm, I'm not absolutely sure of this, but I bet they're worth a few hundred dollars at least. It's not that weird to collect these things. 
But you are clearly one odd man as you remain your biggest fan. We suggest you immediately seek help now as fast as you can. I I was not even aware of your tongue collection, but now that you've brought that up, yes, that is very disturbing. <laughs> I was referring to your habit of storing gallbladders in all those old Gerber's baby food jars. Yeah. You must have a couple cases of them. That is flat out upsetting. How does one even acquire human gallbladders? I have a friend who will be unnamed who works in the waste disposal unit at a local unnamed hospital, okay? I mean, they just dump out all the organs they take out of patients. Most people in this country think gallbladders are a useless body part, but you'd be surprised how how hides valued in other cultures. Well, heavens, what would the use be? Well, that's not my business. I've only maybe sold a dozen or so on eBay, so it's not like I'm making a killing on them. I, I just need to close the show now, so I'll keep your thoughts to yourself and let me get this done. <laughs> Spud, it, I would bet that there are federal or international laws preventing the sale of human organs. I'm pretty positive about this one. Well, they're not being transplanted into other people. I mean, geez, that was offensive to me, and I, I'm sure the listeners. Oh. People just collect them, all right? Nothing more. Who's to say something is too weird to collect? Who made you judge and jury, by the way? I need to sign off now. You You know, this is... You know, Spud, if I can be honest here, after this episode aired back in 2015, I spoke to a person with a degree in psychology. And after I told him about you and your habit of collecting things, some really strange things, well, he said you are mentally unhealthy. And since you still have most of your collections in your apartment uh, these days, well... I guess it's not too late to get help with your affliction with someone who specializes in this behavior. Was this person a psychologist or something? No, no. He, he works at Costco, but he majored in psychology in college. I, I think he got his bachelor's degree or was really, really close to graduating. He He's really smart. He goes to our church. Hey, I took an art class at my community college. Does that make me an artist? I mean, yeah. I can't even draw a dog or a person without tracing it first. I reject your friend's diagnosis. You don't always need a degree to be an expert on something. I myself have mastered more than a few areas of study on my own, mostly with Google on my phone. You can find out information about anything Seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. Oh, my chance is always consulting Google for answers to the many questions that come up in his life. Oh, he is so knowledgeable these days. Thank you, Dorothy. Yeah, I don't take advice from search engine fanatics, okay? I I use it, but Google doesn't know everything. It doesn't know me, the real Spud Goodman. Not yet. All right. AI stuff doesn't know it. No, no, nobody. That stuff does not know me, the person. Well, maybe. But listen, if you won't take my friend's advice and see a psychologist or a therapist that works with people like you, you know, those with issues regarding collecting, well, then maybe you could find a support group that helps others with this problem. It seems that it strikes a lot of people and it would be a bit more low-key. I mean, you wouldn't have to lie down on a couch or something. Oh, Gerald, have you ever been to a therapist or psychologist? Only people on TV or in movies lay down on a couch in their session. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I've been seeing a therapist for many, many years. Uh, I don't know if you're all aware of that. I've sh- I thought I've shared that. And all of them, you know, only have basic uncomfortable hardback chairs. I have never even reclined like in a lazy boy disclosing my deep, dark inner thoughts. Hell no, you haven't! My dad sees a therapist. He said he gets to sit in a really comfortable massage chair. He mentioned the shrink is basically worthless, but his back feels really good after each session, so he keeps on going back. Uh, that was real, that was a significant contribution, Chance. Okay, I need to wrap up this podcast episode. I have stuff to do, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Keep holding on to those habits that repel others. Spud, can I ask, when was the last time you had a woman over to your apartment? The smell of your collection would put a damper on the mood, you know? And don't you worry about my romantic life. I do just fine. I prefer to spend time with the women in my life at their place. It's a win-win situation. Yes, yes. I've become accustomed to the, well, the aroma of your apartment. It smells really good. But I doubt other women would be so forgiving. Yeah. Dorothy, I can promise you that none of the things I collect will ever stink up your house when I move in after our wedding. Oh, I know, sweetie. Okay, Dave, you can stop recording now. I'm done here. Well, actually, I would like to make a few brief closing remarks, if I may. I feel I never... That's it. The Spud Goodman Radio Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Video director, T.J. Pites. On-air talent, Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, and Tom Nolan. Production assistants, Trent Botello and Carrie Coleman. Spud's Greek chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2024, Spud Goodman Productions.